Oh, hi everyone, it's uh, your old friends Mark and Cam here from your favourite podcast, Bushwhacked Not The Wrestlers. Uh, sad news this week that we uh, just wanted to address before you listen to the uh, episode. Uh, of course, we received the news that uh, Bushwhacker Butch, or Robert Miller, sadly passed. Um, who was, of course, when we were calling the, the, the podcast what we decided to call it, we knew that we had to reference... Uh, the bushwhackers in there, those most famous of uh, New Zealand wrestlers. Um, yeah, very sad day. You know, just for me to add in there, it is sad, and it's also an unsung hero, I think, amongst a lot of Kiwis. Uh, now, this guy went out in the 1970s and started his career, and originally, as you may have heard, on our podcast, we were talking about how they were the sheep herders, and, and they were into quite violent uh, style of wrestling in Japan, uh, Puerto Rico, other places around the world. Uh, eventually broke into the WWF, as it was at the time, and probably most well known for being lovable idiots is the best term I can give for uh, the characters they had in the WWF. Yeah. We, could only, so, uh, we could only pr- hope to be as, as lovable idiots as uh, as the Bushwhackers. And um, I think for my and Mark's generation as well, like they were the first world-famous New Zealanders, yeah. as far as I can remember. Yeah. As, as young as I can remember. Yeah. So just to um, you know, peek behind the curtain, uh, both of us were little kids in the early 90s, which is really when they had their heyday. And uh, it was cool. To know that they were um, they were Kiwis out there doing something, and they're on TV. Yeah, yeah, because we didn't get a lot big. of that when you were when you were a kid in New Zealand. You get a lot of that. So once again, our heart goes out to uh, Robert Miller's mm. family, and uh, rest in peace, Bushwhacker Butch. But uh, without further ado, here's the episode. Well, welcome back, dear listeners, to episode 11 of Bushwhack, Not the Restless. As always, I'm one host, Cam Clark. And with me, my other co-host, Mark Wilson. Mark, how's it going today? Namaste, Cameron, my friend. I'm doing well, thank you very much. It's a bit chilly, to say the least, as uh, we've had snow on the hills in March. So, uh... What's this global warming thing they talk about? <laughs> Once again, another riveting opening banter segment started with an update on the weather in our, uh, in our two countries. Wouldn't want to start any other way, Cameron. <laughs> no, but it has been strange. I've got to be honest. Um, we've gone through some pretty hot weather, and me personally, I like a, a cold weather a cold climate, and mm-hmm. I love snow, so the colder the better, although there's got to be some hills, some mountains involved to all the uh, Winnipegians out there. Uh, uh, Winnipegers. Winnipegers. Winnipegers, sorry. Yeah. Winnipegers. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's got to be some hill action, because um, with the cold, you just put on another layer, whereas with the hot, you just suffer. As my granddad used to say, put on another jersey. Yeah. Woolen. Got oh, a yeah. thick wool. I'm, yeah. I'm sure he would have. Been, yeah. yeah, it's Granddad. I'm cold. Put on another jersey. 
Granddad, I'm thirsty. Plenty of water in the tap. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And just uh, just a little side note on that. This is just for me personally. Just yep. want to know. Um, water out of your tap. Yeah. Is it chlorinated or anything? Or oh, you mean like fluoride? Like fluoride? Yeah, like a taste to it or anything. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure they put okay. they put fluoride in our uh, in our drinking water. Yeah. I just say that because you know we're both from Christchurch, which used to have some of the best water in the world out of the tap, and um, then there was an earthquake. Is that not the case anymore? No, no, it's um, it's got to be chlorinated now. Because we had think... the freshest water like in the world. That was like our thing. I know, I know, because we've got all these um, underground rivers, but uh, not the same as it used to be. Is that uh, the art- like we're going? Are you talking about artesian yeah. wells? No, no, well, I'm talking about the aquifers that are, there's yep. 80% of Christchurch, well, Canterbury's water actually flows underneath the surface of the earth. Ah. So a little, little side note, start yeah. there. There you go, I'm going to tuck that yep. one away for research corner, more research required on that yep. one. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> uh, and also I want to start, because last, I felt the last episode, um, it got a bit doomy and gloomy right at the start there, so we're going to start with a bit of love, and I'm going to start by saying... Um, shout out to the person with the other microphone in this conversation. Now, folks, you may not be aware, but uh, when the show finishes and we stop recording, that's it for me. I'm done. I'm doing whatever I want. But uh, the man on the other end of the mic here, he, uh, he has to edit all of these things. He puts in all those sound effects. And uh, when you guys hear it, usually I hear it for the first time. And it is very cool. I love those little sound effects. Um, and, you know, of course, there is a few bits edited out of just uh, nothingness that we talk. So <laughs> all that's got to be done as well. Uh, so shout out to Cam to start with. Well done. Pat yourself on the back. And I'm sure right now you'll put in a large round of applause for yourself. Thank you for the praise. <laughs> Keen to get going. Um, lots to talk about, as said. Oh, Okay. All right. Well, it's about this time in the uh, show that we normally start with a Mark Injury Update. All right. Okay, thank you. Um, so, it's been an interesting, uh, not, not the interesting with the Dern thing, um, couple of weeks, just with really sort of intensifying the rehab. Um, so... Listeners of the show will know that there was a point where I thought uh, I had a a big blob of uh, build-up, um, what am I trying to say here, a hernia, and then I didn't, but then we didn't know what it was, and then just recently I found out what it could have been, but it's sort of in the past now, and so what that means is when things get sore, when they hurt, when I go see my physio, uh, we know that that's not a negative thing. That's just me being a little girl. Oh, sorry, and I can't say that anymore. Um, me being a bit soft when it comes to what's going on. So uh, at the moment, the intensifying of the rehab has begun and doing lots of isolated exercise. And I don't know if you've done any of that, Cam, but it's a. it really is when you just isolating the glutes, which is my worst muscle at the moment. So I've sort of worked out 
what I lost the most when I hurt myself. And uh, it's the glutes, so isolating the glutes, uh, those exercises suck. Isolating your glutes, so uh, that means uh, 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 sealing off your butt. How do you? How does one? How does one isolate their 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 butt? So squats are probably the easiest thing you can do for yourself, um, and they're a really good thing for your glutes. Like that whole sitting up. That makes sense. In general, you know, you're using your muscles there. Um, but then there's these leg exercises that he's got me doing. It's just it's weird to explain when. You know, I can't show. So, yes. Uh, just, Again, it's, yeah. it's an audio, audio, audio. We'll take you word it's for it. It's an audio medium. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like there, there's points, as we've heard, where my other side is just compensated. I've just sort of worked out how to carry on um, without using things. And so now the whole thing is to sort of undo that um, as well as build up the muscles that haven't been used. And it turns out it's quite a funny sort of thing where I cheat a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means we have to really go down and isolate where I can't cheat because it's the only muscle I'm using. Um, oh. So it's interesting. Just, just I found out a lot about the anatomy of a human. Isn't it? Sort of isn't it interesting how eleven weeks in, and we always have like something different about your injury update. Like there's always mm. just something's changed. Like there's like right now this week it's it's. The therapy's intensified, so the therapy's changed, and there's progress in that way. Like, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting following your journey. I feel like um, what you're saying here is, you thought this was probably going to peter out quite quickly, <laughs> and uh, and she keeps rolling on. It's well, a we truck going down a hill. Well, we do have an act. We do have a sound effect like lined up every week now for the for the recurring segment. So like. Even if this segment does peter out, we've got to like hammer out every like drip of like inspiration out of it that we can, you know. Well, well, I tell you, there's one thing that um, I'm going to talk about a bit as as time goes on. Hey, you wouldn't you wouldn't mind getting re-injured, would you? So we could keep the segment going. Wow, jeez, like minds <laughs> think alike. So what I was about to just say before I was rudely interrupted. Sorry. Um, is I've got a mate who is he's going through a similar thing. So he's had a, a really bad knee, and so he had knee surgery. And he's approaching the point which I'm approaching, which is the going back to work thing. Mm. Um, now, last time, so I've had these two injuries and all sorts of things going on. So I had a little bit of work in between being sore and doing nothing, um, for lack of wanting to explain. And the whole going back to work last time was just, it wasn't handled very well at all. I was kind of forced into a position where I had to work a lot to live. Um, So it's that whole hoping it goes better thing for me and for him. Um, He's he's going back for the first time like I was uh, over a year ago. So it's that whole unknown, you know, can I do it anymore? You sort of doubt yourself quite a bit. It's a bit of a battle. So I'm lucky I've had sort of one go at this, which is kind of a weird thing to say. I'm experienced at the uh, in the injury department, so to speak. You're a veteran. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, got the battle scars to prove it. Um, so, yeah, it's a weird thing. Um, it's coming up. 
So I'm keen to get back to work, but my physio's sort of saying, hey, let's think about this. There's well, yeah, you have time. to think long term, right? Like, mm. you know, mm. and it's like as long as you're getting support and, you know, take your time and go back when you can go back and, yeah, when you can handle well, it. It's on, the, it's on the horizon, though, that return. Which exactly. I'm looking forward to. I want to get back to uh, Tiano as well. Like, as I said, mm. that little visit down there. There's points where you just stop and look around and then realise you're doing exactly what the tourists do when they get there. Wonderful. And, like, I live there. I own, own a home down there. So, yeah, it really is a remarkable place. And um, I want to get back there. Awesome. Well, much much less doom and gloom this time around. Absolutely. And, um, oh, boy, listeners, if you thought it was doom and gloom last episode, you should have seen what I edited out. It, it, got, it got pretty personal. It got pretty personal in, in some yeah. places, didn't it, Mark? As I said, he's got a lot of work to do uh, once uh, the microphone gets turned off. For me, nothing. I'm just doing whatever I want to do. This experience is very cathartic. Uh, every time Mark mentions a river, I'm like, oh, for God's sake, now I've got to yeah, edit the river in. Every time he mentions wind, oh, for God's sake. All right, fine, the wind's back, all right. <laughs> and so basically now I've built up a script and I know all of those sound effects so I just every every opportunity <laughs> pretty soon you're oh. going to start having things like and as I crunched through the snow I continued on my way to the uh, hut <laughs> I'll give subtle hints when there you know I need you to put in that thing the sound of a moor pork drifted through the air oh my god Oh, I'm glad you found bird noises as well. That's I know, I found it, I found this really cool, uh, again, a little peek behind the curtain there, dear listeners. I found this really cool like list that you can download from, um, I think it was the uh, Conservation New Zealand of like every bird noise that New Zealand has. Awesome. Yeah, so awesome. that's really fun to use, land of, actually. Land of the bird. Land, yeah. and um, the, the morning chorus is breathtaking. Oh, I love the morning chorus. Yeah. Yeah, the morning chorus is so, absolutely so cool. Yeah. Once again, New Zealand uh, Tourism Board, we are available. Uh, if yes, you want we us to are jump on and just ready cheerleaders and for Aotearoa. willing to sell ourselves for whatever you require, New Zealand Tourism Board. Anywho, hey Mark. We uh, don't see sellout, we see benefiting you. Speaking of, uh, of uh, selling out, no, not speaking of selling out at all. I don't know how to make that segue happen, but here it is anyway. Um, oh, what great you... segue, Cam. <laughs> Another classic Cam segue. Uh, what are you going to tell us about today? Well, I've got a couple of stories. I feel like it's it's a two-story day. Oh, we got two in the uh, chamber. Now, two in the chamber. Now, uh, uh, quite a few stories have involved me getting things wrong, um, <laughs> whereas these stories just doing my job um now the job that i'm talking about uh it's a good job and i think at least for the next couple of years um, we're going to need more and more people doing it as tourism builds back up um but i feel like i'm just rambling at the moment uh i want you to say the intro and i'll I'll get straight into it really (laughs) mark without further Take us, take us on a mesh. Alrighty. So we go back, ladies and gentlemen, to a simpler time, uh, 2008. 
Now, 2008 is when I started with ultimate hikes on the Rootburn track. Now, before that, um, I wasn't really going anywhere. Uh, I was working towards becoming a professional bogan in Christchurch. Now, at the time, um, that was a job needed, as there was, there was plenty of uh, professional bogans around. Uh, as of these days, not as many. Um, so not many people doing laps, as it used to be called. Uh, but there is no future in that. Uh, just for our international uh, listeners out there, uh, bogan would be New Zealand slang for uh, car enthusiast. Uh, mm. Also one... With a tinge of redneck. Would you say? I would say I would say redneck might be an uh, a, a noggleus with the uh, with 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 the term bogan. Uh, if you just just think they're North American and listeners out there, uh, think mullet, uh, think think black Metallica t-shirt, um, mm. and cars, 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 cars. I was cars. a shaved head. I was a shaved head man. Yes, yes. Girlfriend named shaved Cheryl. Head. Girlfriend named Baseball Cheryl. Baseball cap. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Yep. Yep. Right. Carry on. Sorry. So, yep. <laughs> not. Not the best career choice. Um, <laughs> not very lucrative career, is it? Being a, no, no, a car really. enthusiast. No, no. You're, you're not going to be Elon Musk in a hurry. That's for sure. Um, it's probably a bad person to. Anyway, moving on. So um, there was a big life change, a big realization, which is really lucky for me um, and really important looking back because this wouldn't be happening for sure. Um, I suppose there are bogan podcasts, but anyway. I chose to become a guide thanks to my parents. A lot of thanks goes to them for uh, helping me with some pretty smart life decisions, but also letting me make my own decisions as well. I think that's really important. Um, And the job begins at Ultimate Hikes. Now, I'd hiked when I was a kid. Jeremy would drag me out onto some hikes around Canterbury. And so I had a a little bit of a recollection of doing that, um, but I hadn't done much. But the best thing, really is to say yes to an opportunity and then work out how to do it afterwards. And so that's basically what I did. I said yes to the job um, and then began my career as a hiking guide. Um, So I learned on the spot and luckily really cool people that I work with, um, really sort of nice down-to-earth people who are all happy to teach you uh, and also happy to to sort of get that enthusiasm built and then obviously I've kept doing it and doing it in my spare time as much as possible as well. So a couple of trips in we get to trip number six I think it was in my career uh, hiking around the Rootburn track and at this stage um, I'd seen a few rainy storms uh, but nothing, nothing like what I was about to see. So we leave Queenstown, there's a normal 24 people on the bus, people from all around the world, but the main um, tourists from another country that Ultimate Hikes aimed for at that stage was Australians. Lots of Australians coming into the country and a few Australians that had done a couple of walks and they wanted something a little bit more adventurous but with the luxury and the food provided um, so they'd come and do the route burn track. Now, we knew before starting that it looked like the weather was going to get quite interesting. Now, when I say interesting, I mean isobar lines crunching up, which means high winds. 
and also a lot of precipitation coming. Now at this stage, um, I'd seen rain, but I hadn't seen Fiordland rain properly. So we drive to the divide, which is where you start the trip. Everyone unloads into a little shelter. Now this shelter, by this stage, had waterfalls running off the gutters because the gutters couldn't hold the water that was falling from the sky. Ooh, wow. So the water was building up in the gutters so much that it was just teeming over. Now, we had a lot of tourists who just wouldn't go out when it was raining, but they had paid a good sum of money to come for a hike, and here they were, looking at this instantly soaking rain. Now, for me, it's awesome because... It's so different to that life that I used to live. And just so much more, it's better for you. You're, I'm getting fitness, um, nice, clean, fresh air, clean water, that's for sure. Uh, but a lot of these experiences were really my first time dealing with this sort of weather and in these sort of conditions, which is hiking this track. So off we go. I'd say it would be about three to four minutes into the trip where the rain jacket you're wearing gives up and you're just soaked to the bone. Mm. Uh, but when you're heading to a lodge where you can just dry yourself off and have a shower and all that, like, it doesn't matter. Now, you've got to really bash that into some of the customers. Uh, what's the uh, longest stretch between lodges? So, well, for us, we're right at the start. So um, they're looking at anywhere between four to six hours or so to get to the lodge. People who just push on head down, um, they can get there quicker. Uh, but as you'll find on this trip, we were all sticking together no matter what, just because of this rain. And so at this stage, um, everything was pretty cool. It was just raining and the, the customers were just going along. Now, I was the back guide. I'd been assigned that or I'd probably chosen to go the back guide. And so my job after getting to what is essentially the lunch stop at a, a little hut, um, is to then clean up our little section of that hut where we've had cups of tea and um, some food and whatnot, and then I catch up. So as I'm cleaning up, the, the group's heading off all together. Now normally when you hike with ultimate hikes and the weather's fine, you'd have a front guide who sort of goes as fast as the fastest person back guide who goes as slow as the slowest person, people in the middle, everyone's happy. Um, so I'm cleaning up and then I have a little chat to the uh, DOC, the Department of Conservation Ranger at the hut, and then off I go. Now the first thing I realise is that the lake that is normally about 20 metres away from the bridge that I was about to cross is on the bridge. It's that big. Whoa. Now, I've never seen it anywhere near that. Um, now, that was a surprise, but as I said, like, this is all the first time for me. So off I go. I, I go up the track. I get to a little bridge over a fairly normally sedate creek that's just trickling below the bridge. But it's now lapping at the bridge. It's not sedate anymore. It is woken up and it is very, very angry. Now, I continue on, and I get to a point where normally there's just a little gully, and there's normally no water at all in it, and it's coming right across the track, and beside it, 
is quite the drop which leads into the Hollyford Valley. Now if you were to slip and fall, it would take a while before you bounced to a stop. So um, you don't fall down there on the best of days. Now I'm looking at this raging torrent that I have to go through. Now, as you remember, um, my hiking experience at this stage was years and years ago. I've not really done anything like this before. So I think, what am I gonna do? Um, and then I think man versus wild. So I lots, watched a lot of man versus wild before starting my job. I thought that was a good, a good starting point. Let's go for Bear Grylls. And the only thing I can do is to drink my own pee. Uh, he knows what he's doing. And then I remember an episode where he was showing how to get through a swollen river or get through a river Mark, by yourself. Mark, I'm going to stop you right there. Um, tell me right now, did you drink your own urine? Because I need to know because I'm going to need to edit it out. All right. Well, to be honest, um, <laughs> when I looked at this raging torrent, uh, I, was, I was nearly pissing myself. <laughs> I really was. Um, but uh, I remember the man who loves to drink his own urine, he, uh, when he went through the river, he had grabbed a stick. I had my walking poles. Uh, now he'd given himself good purchase and then sort of sideways walked through this river. So I ah. did that. And there was one point, and I'll never forget any of this day. It's one of those things, there's days in your life that interesting things can happen, but just they become part of the background of your life but this day man I'll never forget it so I was in the middle of this stream looking behind me at this death drop looking in front of me and then realizing like I'm at work this is me at apologies folks the dog the little dog is getting agitated something probably a rabbit Ernie. Um, so Ernie. Little Ernie. So back to the story, back to the raging river. What a, what a place to leave the story at. Uh, yeah, I'm amazed that I'm at work uh, essentially risking my life, uh, I'd say, but I'm enjoying it as well. Now I get through it and then do have a little bit of a breathing, catch your breath. Whew, that was interesting, let's carry on. And the radio fires up into life. Now what's happened is the guides that I'm with, one of them being the head guide, a very experienced guide, another one uh, being a man from Canada, actually, now that I think of it, who's done everything. Uh, he was a, a more seasoned member of the team, but very, very experienced in a whole lot of other things as well. He's with us, and then a younger Japanese girl who now does a job where she runs the route burn track daily. Now that's a 31-kilometer mountainous track, and that's to deliver wow. keys to people. Um, so Track Hoppers is the name if you want to get your car driven from one end of the route burn to the other. And Kiyomi is her name, just a little shout-out. You've got to promote little companies when you can. There you um, go. So they're all really experienced. They've been through this before. I haven't, and they've just realized I'm back by myself catching up to the group, and I haven't shown up yet. So Seamus, he jumps on the radio and he's like, where are you? And I'm like, I explain. And then he's like, well, well, be aware, there's a big river that you've got across that's coming across the track. And it was quite tricky for us to get the, the guided people through. Um, so, so be very careful. And I'm like, Seamus, don't worry about it, mate. 
I've gone through it, it is all good. And he's like, oh yeah, no worries, we'll see you soon because you must be quite close to the back of the group. I carry on and about 10 minutes later I get to what he's talking about. Okay. I hadn't gone through it yet. So it was way worse than the first bit I went through and I sort of got no choice. What else can I do? So back to the uh, Bear Grylls approach and I shuffle my way through. Now this is a bigger drop and it's a place known as Mossy Corner on the Rootburn track going up to Erland Falls and whew, there's nothing to really grab onto it's just sort of rock walls sometimes there's a little trickle of a creek there but this time it was a raging river and it's yeah as I said bigger death drop and just get through it or you won't be here tomorrow <laughs> so uh, I slowly grab <laughs> my way through this little stream um, and get to the other side thankfully and on the other side where I catch up with the group again. Uh, now I become the back guide and the other guides move ahead so they can help and what we do is we play guide tag. So at any place like that river yeah. you get one guide that goes through to the end, one guide that basically stands in the middle and if it's wide enough another guide that stands in the middle and they brace the walkers as they go through. Now a little side thing that a lot of people don't think about is if the person was to fall over, no hope for us to stop their fall. They're going no. to take us with them. So you're there basically just to keep them confident enough to not fall over. Because wow. if they do, as I said, they'll just take you out. End of story. Um, so it's, it's an exciting part of the job, yeah. to say the least. Um, so we go through a few of these little streams, and then we get to Erland Falls. Now Erland Falls is the biggest waterfall you encounter uh, on the track. And when it's swollen, when it's, it's going bigger, you need to go down an emergency detour. Because if you were to go up near the waterfall, you just get knocked over immediately due to the power. Now, um, the waterfall itself, uh, it normally falls down into a little pool. And about 25 metres or so back from that is a, oh, probably not that much, actually. Probably about 15 metres. We'll say 15 metres. Good, that's very important. A, Which is it, Mark? Is it 15 or 25? Get your story a, straight. It's a considerable distance back from the waterfall <laughs> itself. There we go. Um, now, that's where usually you'll sit and have your lunch and enjoy this uh, beautiful environment that you're in with this very scenic, over 100-metre waterfall trickling down. Now, this waterfall was touching this rock that we usually sit by, which is so much bigger than I'd ever seen it. Like just, it was the waterfall on steroids, to say the least. And it was epic to see it like this. Now, the detour was actually a raging river itself, but you've got no other choice. Mm. You've got to get through it. So, so even, even, the, the, even the safe option wasn't that safe? Not at all. Well, oh. it, it is with the guides doing their thing. Right. So this is why you get a guide. Um, a lot of people we get through, as we've heard, you know, the guy with Parkinson's, without the guide, definitely wouldn't have got through. But also there's situations with the weather where yeah. if something went wrong, we've got radios and immediately we can alert people to the fact that something's gone wrong as opposed to where I've come across people that have 
been lying with a broken ankle for a couple of hours. Wow. So uh, there's so many safety factors added in with a guide. Now the guides have stationed themselves down what is a sort of a downward climb and then you go back up the other side and that is the detour from uh, the Erland Falls. And then they start slowly getting the people through. Now I'm at the top of the line, so I'm slowly helping people as they start their journey down with the other guides helping them as they get lower. And I see this lady. Now this lady is not far uh, from the start of the group, but then as I look up, oh now she's sort of gone back a few places. Then she goes back a few more places. Then it gets to the point where she's actually started to walk back down the track. Oh thinking what going on? You can't where are you going, lady? You can't this is this is the way you're supposed to go. You don't go that way. So I help the last person down and then I go up and I just have a brief chat with her and you can see the fear in her face and she tells me that things have gone really bad um, if, if we keep going you know somebody's going to die and so she's very scared at this stage because this is something she's never experienced before the super heavy rain it hasn't stopped we've got all these water crossings which she's never done before and and to her things just seem a little bit out of control so this is where Marky steps in and uh, essentially saves the day. Because the thing that I tell her, Cam, is I say, don't worry, it's normally like this. Now, to me, that was the only thing I could thought, think of that would get her through quickly. <laughs> and so she sort of lo looks at me a little bit puzzled and then carries on. Now, the thing that I had to now back up was... If things went wrong, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I kind of put a little well, bit of pressure on the She came for an adventure, didn't she? Right, you know, oh, like. think, yeah. <laughs> oh man, this is, uh, yeah, as you'll find out. Anyway, anyway, moving on. So we carry on. There's still a few more stages of the track after that that uh, were definitely interesting, to say the least. Uh, but that was definitely the hardest part. And then we get to uh, Mackenzie Lodge, which is a beautiful lodge and it's dry which is the most important thing and there's a lot of people who get there and they're kissing the floor and all sorts of things putting on a bit of a show because people know that what they've been through especially experienced hikers uh, that was an ordeal to say the least and here we are safe at the lodge we're going to have a nice hot meal and dry ourselves off uh, before the next stage um, so at this stage everything's going fine um, the next day we wake up and it's turned to snow so we have to now climb up and cross the Hollyford face which is the highest part of the Rootburn track and we're doing it in snowfall uh, now we don't have to bunch up in a group for this day uh, but it is a challenging day for a lot of people and the group is very spread out and the people at the back um, suffering but in a good way that's mm. how I'll say it, because something tough that you get yourself through is going to be a great feeling at the other end. That's, that's probably the best way to put it. So if the experience is easy, I don't think you remember it as much. So a lot of these people will never, ever, as I have, uh, forget this great trip. Um, so we get to the next lodge, which is Rootburn Falls, and we've been through snow now. So... What we're looking forward to is warming ourselves up and you get a good steak um, at the Reuben Falls Lodge and you get to warm yourselves up. 
and then you continue on for what is essentially the easiest part of the track and that's walking out to the road end and finishing. Uh, now at this stage in guiding on the route burn track you would go back to Queenstown and then the group would uh, get back together and have a celebration dinner in mm. Queenstown which was a really cool part because the guys got to see you outside of being a guide and you wore street clothes so to speak um, so usually from Americans they would say oh this is what you look like in real life um, for some reason they think that you're just a guide all of the time <laughs> uh, but it was very cool you, you got to do this sort of ceremony at the end where you well, you, 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 a, you don't you know, live the guide lifestyle 24-7? You don't like, you don't, you know? I'd like to. <laughs> I'd like to, you know, if I had to. Uh, but yes, we are normal people uh, on the outside. So uh, we, uh, we give out these certificates. But before we do, I mean, we've got the head guide with us. And him and Kevin, the guy from Canada, and Kiomi, they all go on about how, you know, that was one of the most intense trips they've been on uh, the stats were over 400 millimeters of rain in just over 12 hours which is a that's a lot a lot of rain yeah um what's that in inches do you know oh 400 millimeters in inches holy heck i couldn't even tell you that that's a that's a lot of millimeters mark are you sure it's that many millimeters uh, canada that's that's a person teaching your kids. Uh, holy on the other heck. End. That's, almost, that's almost 16 the That's almost sixteen inches. 16 so, inches. So a foot, a, foot, a foot and a quarter of rain. So um, it, was, it was a one, well, we can't say one and so-and-so year storm anymore because the world is just broken when it comes to the weather. But it rained and it was a good, good rain. Yeah. Now... Before we handed out the certificates, and just after this was announced to the team, the lady, remember, that I told was, uh, you know, going through a normal trip on the Rootburn track. She managed to jump up and very loudly point at me and say, I knew <laughs> you were lying. I knew. And all I could do was just smile and say, well, you know, we... We, we got through it, didn't we? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's another aspect. Uh, but oh, it's, it's, always, Cameron, it's always like this. It's always like this. <laughs> well, as Cameron found, you know, when he had his uh, little interesting situation uh, up in the Cameron Valley, and if you haven't heard that episode, folks, do. Episode 7, it's a classic. Room. Episode 7. Yeah, it is, yeah. it is. Um, as a guide, and I was essentially acting as his guide at, at the worst point of that trip, uh, or most interesting, uh, you know, you don't want to, to give... Stop a, a saying interesting. Appearance. I have yeah, to edit it in yeah. every time. Yeah, you yeah, do it, you're every, doing it deliberately. Every time. Every time. Uh, but I, you don't want to give off a, a negative appearance uh, when no. confronting what is a bad... Situation. No, the old, the old really twenty, the old twenty more minutes approach. We we call it absolutely. Yeah, just twenty absolutely. more minutes. Twenty more minutes. Um, yeah. So, as I said, like you put a lot of pressure on yourself because you, you can't get it wrong, <laughs> because you've told them that it's fine. Uh, but that is that is part of guiding, um, and then it does give those people that secondary sense of satisfaction because at the time, you can see it in their eyes. They're pretty scared, uh, mm. but 
when you overcome something, the feeling is awesome. And that's why hiking is such a cool thing because you set yourself these little challenges and uh, at the end, whether it be one day or five days or 10 days, you've overcome that challenge and hooray, pat yourself on the back because you were the person who did that. No one else carried you. Amazing. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Mm. So I'll quickly get into the second story. So the second story takes place in the same place. But the, uh, the thing that we have to deal with at this stage um, is the 2008 recession. Remember that. Remember back to those days. Because they seem very similar to these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. What's a, yeah. Ooh, what's a recession? God. So yeah. for New Zealand, um, especially in tourism, uh, the big thing was the sort of the years after that. It wasn't when it happened. It was about two years later because that's when the bookings started to really dry up. Uh, and that's when, so I'm now looking at three years. This is my third year on the track, reasonably experienced now. Uh, and there was points where we had only one guide necessary because the groups were so small. So one group in particular, and I don't think I can call two people a group, can I? I don't think I can. So, no, I think three, th you, need, you need three for it to be a group. Otherwise, it's a pair. So it was me and two people. And one was a German girl who uh, had been to New Zealand and loved Lord of the Rings so much that she had a rather large elvish tattoo that said honorary Kiwi. or Yeah, I think it was, was honorary Kiwi. Um, Good for so her. she loved New Zealand, loved Lord of the Rings, and loved Lord of the Rings enough to walk the Rootburn track, which ends at the Dart River, or to you Lord of the Rings fans, Isengard. Hey. There is a point where you look, and if you know the movie, you know exactly what you're looking at. Because Peter Jackson basically just used the backdrop that is Aotearoa, New Zealand. Yeah, look, at, look at this. Uh, this, is, this is the field where the CGI was. Doesn't it look good? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like, and the, the backdrops, there's no CGI involved there, ladies and gentlemen. And if you don't believe me, come see it yourself. Um, so she was real keen. She wanted to see it herself. And the other girl was a Korean girl who basically said the English back to you that you said to her. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. There wasn't a, a whole lot of... The communication was difficult. But um, she was a young girl. She was very fit. And you could tell just by her, her gear and... You could tell it was, it was used hiking gear. So she had done some hikes. She knew what she was doing. Right. Uh, but once again, it's just me as the guide. So off we go in our 50-seat coach with our coach driver. Uh, it was All of this was an experience that... Uh, Man, this was a lean year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we had... So to give you an idea of the Milford Tracks experience, there were Milford Tracks trips with four people and at each lodge there's 10 staff so uh wow. they're usually handling 50 people a day and uh there was four on one of the well that was the smallest trip so i uh, definitely lean well said lean to say the least now 
of course, this is three years in, a bit more experienced. I'd been through you know, a couple more of those storms, and we were now facing that, and it was me and two people. So, a bit of a rundown. Once again, Seamus, he was still the head guide, still is involved with the company now, which is awesome to know that they've got that experience there. Um, he just sort of pulls me aside and it says, you know, you've, you've got some weather heading your way. Uh, good luck. <laughs> so off we go. We, we get to the divide and it's the same scenario where the gutters can't handle the rain and there's a waterfall pouring out of each exit and you're going to be wet within seconds. But uh, these girls, they're real keen. They want to get into it, get involved. So off we go. We even add in the side trip. So the side trip is a climb up to Key Summit. And it's at Key Summit you get legendary views of the Darren Mountains, which is my favorite range in the world, hands down. Beautiful mountains, really steep and uh, really deep valleys as well. No views on that day, Cameron. No views at all no. because we're in a storm. Uh, so it was just cool Whoa. to be up there and be really exposed to the weather. But then we go down to Howden Hut, where I cleaned up that day, and then afterwards faced those raging rivers. And I know that those rivers are going to be there. These girls don't, uh, but I'm preparing myself for it. Right. And the way I sort of prepared myself for it was to tell the lodge manager at the other end, at Mackenzie Hut, that when I get to these rivers, basically what I'll do is I'll radio you and I'll say, because he knows where I am and where I'm talking about and I'll just say hey I've got to this river and then I'll radio when I get to the other side so he'll probably give me 15 to 20 minutes and then think oh he's probably been swept away so oh. he's looking forward to that radio call at the side other side of the, um, the river now just a little side note to uh, future walkers of the route that are Milford track this just doesn't happen these days. So these days, when there's these big weather warnings, they just close the track. You'll get choppered the next day, um, or get a refund if, if you're not satisfied with that. Yep. But these situations, uh, they are very, very rare, just due to the control, health and safety, and I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, I'm not going anywhere near this place <laughs> if it's like this. It's just not like this anymore. Uh, but back then, Different, different rules. Different so beast. as I said, I would radio when I got to the other side and I got to these places where I you know, pulled out my Bear grill skills. But what I was doing <laughs> is I would walk through just to make sure it was possible. Then I would walk back through, take these girls one at a time. These women, women, um, and it was, it was, yeah. Sorry, Cam. It was interesting um, <laughs> to get through. Now, I was lucky that I had experienced hikers. If these people were, um, you know, of the more seasoned and the age Civilians. variety, yeah, yeah, like it would have been different. And I, I'm, in ways, I'm sort of like, oh, you know, in my day, we used to hike all the time uh, through these, you know, raging storms that happen in Fjordland. Uh, but then also another part of me is like. Man, it's, you know, it's dangerous. I wouldn't want to be a guide and have someone get swept away. Like, mm. what a thing to live with for the rest of your life. 
But as you can imagine, um, and as probably everybody's worked out, we did manage to get through. Um, but <laughs> you don't say. Was, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then it was the next day, and due to the time of the year, uh, that we did get choppered. So wow. the, uh, the ne- next part of the day is going through the highest part of the track, and because it was early in the season, there's avalanche danger. Now... These big storms, uh, a lot of the time when it's uh, pouring with rain down low, where we're hiking, up high it can be snowing. And when you've got uh, the spring snow, the late winter snow, mixed with uh, new snow, you've got a lot of avalanche conditions. And so we were choppered uh, over a great section, which for me, um, as exciting as it was being a guide with these, these just two people. Because it's loose um, snow was, settling on hard snow. So it just slides yeah, right is, off the hard snow. Absolutely. And you've also got chunks that were falling down anyway because it's spring and that's when chunks fall down. And, and a lot of people think an avalanche you know, has to be this massive you know, raging... A ball of snow, ice, and rock. But you know, one small rock or one small chunk of snow can mm-hmm. hit you. You can lose your balance, and if there's a cliff beside you, it's game over. So yeah. um, that's that's what a lot of the times the tracks get closed for. It's just those minor, small avalanches which can lead to worse things. So um, yeah, there's definitely a reason why they close the track these days. Uh, but we managed to get through. And, yeah, it was, it was just such a different experience from that first time being by myself. Mm. But luckily, on that first time, I had those, those experiences by myself where I had to think, can I get through this? So I was kind of learning on my feet. Um, but it also really showed me that a raging river um, can be a death trap. And you've really got to be sort of confident that you'll get through it. Um, cause if you don't, it's bad. Do you know how many times that you've had, that you've said that you've learned this lesson about raging rivers that could be death traps? This is at least the third time that you've had to learn this lesson. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and there's been a lot of times where I haven't crossed because of what I've learned. Ah, there and you go. there is probably times where I probably could have crossed, um, but you know, oh. the fear of dying is uh, oh, did, did you, can did be you, strong. Did you hear that? They're trying to hurry us up. They're desperate, for, desperate to play along with uh, talking to Rayo with Mark and Cam. I heard that. Heard that beep coming yep. in. <laughs> yep. No. So with that being said, um, that's the end of my two stories, folks. And wow. Get a guide. Get a guide. The, get a guide. Get a guide. That might be the that might be the title of it. Yeah, I also yeah, had a yeah. also had a possible title. Just doing my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultimate hikes as well. You know, uh, sponsorship, <coughs> sponsorship. Hey, sponsorship, yeah, right? There's yeah, there's yeah, yeah. there's a relationship that's already formed. You know, like we can yeah, we can help yeah. each other. Ultimate hikes. Seamus. We have Seamus, dozens of listeners. Dozens. Yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's get on to what the folks are really here for. And uh, what is it, Cam? It's talking to Rayo with Mark and Cam. All right, well done. All right, now. 
You're really making me work for it this week. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, so I thought this week, um, considering that I'd forgotten to pick a word before we started recording, and I hastily Brilliant. scribbled one down as we Brilliant. were talking. Um, You're the organized one, remember? <laughs> I am the producer extraordinaire. Um, now, uh, this one, I decided I wanted to give uh, maximum play along at home value on this one um and also maximum educational value um because it is a word that uh as uh fairly woke new zealanders we do take for granted uh now this particular word uh, and again a reminder of the format uh for those of you maybe tuning in for the first time uh i'm gonna say uh, i'm gonna spell the word yes welcome welcome uh kia ora. uh i'm going to uh spell the word Mark will then say the word uh, with the correct te reo Māori pronunciation, uh, followed up uh, with what we call the, uh, let's say, uh, less accurate uh, old-school white New Zealander pronunciation. Uh, no, no harm. No harm. No, no harm. Nope. No, yeah, no offence. No offence intended. No it's offense, just, it's no just kind of funny. And then, uh, and then finally, uh, I'm going to have a lot of fun this week with the confused North American pronunciation. Um, and, uh, Mark, are you ready to play? I am. I am keen. Right. Now, as I said, I expect, uh, big things this time, because I do think this is a rather easy one, but as I said, maximum educational value, all right? Excellent. The word is M-A-O-R-I. I'd like to solve the, uh... Problem. Please go right ahead. Maori. Oh, brilliant. As expected, Mark. Once again, you have risen to the occasion. Absolutely. I just, I just like little side note um, before we go on. Uh, thanks to my mother, Jimmy Wilson, who is taking Tereo Maori lessons at the moment. Um, I'm learning from her a lot as well. Uh, I definitely am not a Tereo Maori speaker. Uh, I like to to really learn as much as I can, and I have thanks to uh, Cam as well. Cameron's taught me a lot as well, um, but yeah, I'm learning more about just just the intricacies of the language itself. I'm I'm one who likes to learn stuff that will then aid with my guiding, so mm. to speak, um, and and then sort of aid with getting getting the language out to the people that I'm talking to when you're writing. You're a student of your craft. Mm. Um, and whereas my mother at the moment, she's, she's sort of involved with this course, and it's really cool. It's, I'm, I'm really enjoying you know, learning from her, and it's really making me want to do a course as well so I, I can refine oh, that's awesome. the art. As a as a teacher, like uh, I love hearing about lifelong learning. There's too, there's too many mm. people that aren't willing to. They get to a certain age and they think, well, learning's over. Don't need to do anything new now. So absolutely, and yeah, you're never too old. No. Now, Mark, can we have the uh, uh, standard, uh, let's say, 1980s white guy trying to pronounce that same that same word, please? Well, well, okay. There, there is a few. There's a variety, uh, oh. so to speak. Oh, let's 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 um, hear a few. Let's hear a few of them. <laughs> um, so we'll go back uh, to to my granddad's day. Um, now, what this lo- yeah, lovely man, no harm intended. It was all jokes. Whereas nowadays we think of it, 
as a, a racist thing that would <laughs> cause gasps in many circles. Um, but he was always keen with the Murrays, <laughs> uh, this Murray fella. Um, yep, uh, this, this Murray fella, he, uh, he came up to me and uh, that, was, that was a good one for him. Gr- Granddad, uh, are you saying the, you met a man whose name was Murray, like M-U-R-R-A-Y? Well, I always he met a lot of Murrays in his time. Um, so, uh, but another one, uh, another uh, well-used one is the Maoris. The Maoris is probably the other most commonly used. So the Murrays or the Maoris. Um, which, I'm so uh, glad you did both. I'm so glad you did both. Like, you really, like... I always remember, like, you're always really good at that drawl, just really butchering it. Marys! And at the moment, it's it's kind of sad where it seems societies all over the planet are trying to divide themselves as much as possible. Mm. And, like, I love Aotearoa with this connection that we have and i hate to see that it feels like they're trying to wedge drive a wedge you know between yeah. all the peoples of this this multicultural country and it's disappointing so let, let's get together people yeah one love yeah. one love yeah. like one love call tahi aroha all right uh now um, i'm not going to follow up with my confused north american Awesome. And um, this one will be familiar to many people. Oh my gosh, I went to New Zealand for two weeks. You would not believe it. We went to this marae and we saw these Maori warriors. <laughs> these Maori tribesmen. Oh, super cool. <laughs> oh, on the button. That was perfect. There we that go. That was perfect. There we go. That was perfect. <laughs> All, all in fun, folks. All, all, in, fun. all in good fun. I do live in, I do live in North America, and I do have friends who listen to the podcast who are probably upset mm. with me, like at, at my continued, mm. my continued butchering of the North American accent. But it's all in good fun. Mm. <laughs> all right. Well, very good. Good episode there, Mark. Oh, thank you. Wonderful. Hey, yep, yourself as well. Yeah, wonderful. Now, uh, as always, uh, friends, listeners, uh, you can read all of Mark's stories at nzhikes.co.nz. Uh, Instagram.com slash nzhikes.co.nz. Well, actually, I'll just stop you there, Ken, because I noticed that on the last one. Oh. Now, to go with my book, so on the cover of my book, it says M.H. Wilson. Okay. And so now the Instagram oh. handle is nzhikesmh Wilson. Oh, big changes. Okay. Why wasn't so I informed about this? Yeah, well, you know, uh, due to uh, lack of informing. Did you put that in the outgoing office mail? Well, I was going to. You didn't give um, it to Barbara in accounting, big, did you? Well, you know what she's project like. On. Yeah, oh. and, and then I've got those new interns that I've got to, you know, get through, oh, to, you know, train man. up as well. So. You know, all formal requests like this are supposed to go through Tim and HR. You know that, right? Well, yeah, I know. I know. Well, Tim was busy with all that other work he's got on. So, <sighs> all right, one more time. It's yeah. Instagram.com/slash/nzhikes. What? M. H. Wilson. M. H. Wilson. That would be for Mark Hardy Wilson. Uh, Correct. Just letting everyone know what your middle name is there. 
All right. Wonderful. Uh, it is still Facebook slash NZ Hikes, or is that now NZ Hikes slash MH Wilson also? No, that's fa- slash NZ Hikes. Good. Um, also, uh, uh, folks, if you want a book, head to the website nzhikes.co.nz, and I am going to do what I said, and I am going to send a bunch of books to Cam. Yes. Now, Another little promotion. We're going to finish the the uh, second promotion that we've been doing on the next episode. That's correct. Um, but what I want to do is a special offer to our North American fans. So these books that I'm sending over, one of them is up for grabs if you live in North America. So uh, if you want a book, all you've got to do, tell them, Cam, what do they have to do? Uh, all they have to do is leave a five-star review of the podcast in whatever medium you do. I know Spotify has a way to rate it, and I believe so does iTunes. Okay. Uh, send a picture of your five-star rating to bushwhackednotthewrestlers at gmail.com or whoever else you want to put in front of us. You go into the drawer for one of those books. And uh, currently, we've had quite a few entries coming in. It's actually been quite nice. And uh, we will be drawing that second draw, as Mark said. That'll be on the next episode. So there's still a little bit of room there to get in. And uh, yeah, like I said, plenty of opportunity to win that book. And the Active Hearts uh, walk is coming up, which is kind of scary for myself and my parents. Oh, that's that going to be fun end for of you. October. End nice. of October. So yeah, like uh, you, you watch... Uh, Mark's injury update because there'll probably be a few new ones in there with all the training that I've got to do. Wow, so, yeah. Um, oh man, maybe we can do some sort of like episode live from uh, from Nepal. I'd love oh, to do that. That would be epic. that'd be fun, eh? Cool. Oh hey, um, keep stay tuned. Yeah. Also, we are on Twitter at uh, Bushwhacked Pod. I'm going to be honest with you folks. I haven't been tweeting very much lately. I don't really know what to do. It's it's supposed to be a way you, you grow your audience, but I can't really be bothered doing it, so I'm just not. But, you know, it's there. You can follow us. <laughs> I've never been on Twitter as well, so i just throw it out there. Maybe one day, like um, 10 years from now, someone will discover this podcast and we'll have like a, a renaissance where we, where we get recognized for how amusing we really are. What I, what I actually envision, Cameron is them discovering it and going, this, this is gold. These guys would have made millions if they weren't so lazy. <laughs> How lazy? Not, no, no, just misinformed. How not and, to promote uh, a podcast. Uneducated. No, we need, what we need is we need a social media quarter. Hey, listeners out there. If you're a social media coordinator and if you, uh, and if you want exposure... Um, and, 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 a, cheap. And, a, and a shout out on the podcast because that's what we can pay you. Um, that's what we pay. Yeah. Tell us, tell us what to do and run our social media for us so that people who don't know us start listening to the podcast. That'd be good. <laughs> Even if it's like five simple tips to get you going or something like that. Yeah, something. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Very good. All right. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> didn't we say that we were going to stay positive? <laughs> yay, yay, podcast! Yay, us! Go us! <laughs> no, thanks, guys. That's uh, a good I, time. Oh, I appreciate yeah. it. And also, all, all those NZ hikes people out there, like, love it. You guys are awesome. Um, I'm going to keep writing the stories. You guys keep reading them. So, yeah, they, they're going to keep going. Even if people don't read them, I'm going to keep writing them. 
Yeah. Um, so. And we're having a lot of fun. We're having a lot of fun doing this mm. podcast. Mm. Yeah. No, it's good times. All right. Well, I think are we pretty much done there, Mark? We are. All we right. Are. Roll that music. Well, this uh, one more time. This has been uh, Cam Clark saying uh, goodbye and uh, see you later from Bushwhacked, not the wrestlers. Cheers, folks. Kia ora, namaste, kakite.